welcome to the In Systems We Trust podcast with Mark E. Murray. You're listening to season two. In Systems We Trust dives into all things systems and processes and interviews the professionals who are using them to change the landscape of their organizations every day. This podcast is fueled by Ditto, a team that is on a mission to eliminate team burnout by implementing systems and processes that streamline your business's growth. Are you ready for more clarity? Here we go. Welcome back to another episode of In Systems We Trust. My name is Marquis. I'm your host. And today I'm speaking with Paul Miners. Paul is a productivity blogger and virtual consultant. Paul grew his business on the side while working a full time and now consults to companies all over the world, helping them with tools like Asana, Pipedrive, and Zapier. Paul's website now receives 100,000 plus visits per month and his audience of 35,000 plus email subscribers love hearing about how to be more productive in business and in life. Welcome to the show, Paul. Hey, Marquis. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. This is a great moment for me. I told you off air, I've been excited to have this chat. I've been following you for years now, looking at your YouTube content and, you know, receiving your emails and, you know, now we're on the other side of it on the other side of the screen, I get to ask you all of my burning questions and just have a chat. So I'm hoping we can geek out about all things operations, Asana today, and learn more about you. You game? Yeah, that sounds great. Let's do it. Beautiful. Yeah, I'd love to hear your backstory. I love starting there. Just, you know, how you got into consulting, um, where you got your start. Uh, I didn't know that you were working um, as a consultant on this side. So when did that change happen? When did you go full time into this and how long you've been doing what you're doing. Yeah, well, I, I think a good point in time to trace everything back to is uh, 2012, when I was working in marketing, I was I was fresh out of university in my first job in marketing at an e-commerce company here in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of businesses, you know, we tried a few different project management tools, the owner of the company didn't do a great job of rolling them out. But we, uh, I found Asana, actually, I, I actually heard it on a, on a podcast. A fellow uh, Kiwi, uh, Natalie Sisson, the suitcase entrepreneur, she mentioned she uses Asana to run her business. And I was like, oh, I'll, I'll check this out. And even though it wasn't really part of my job, being you know a, mark, uh, sorry, a, a productivity geek, I, I just dove into figuring out this tool. And long story short, I helped transition the company I was working at over to using Asana, basically for all of its work. And, and it became the primary channel we used to communicate as well. And it was mm-hmm. such a successful... Um, sort of switch that the the owner the of the company my boss he paid me a bonus and said look you know here's some money like thank you so much for doing that it was you didn't have to it wasn't part of your job but like it really made an impact and so that was that was a really interesting experience and then if we fast forward um a couple of years later you know i'd started my blog poorminers.com i was blogging about productivity and my goal at the time was look i just want to quit my job i just want to be working on my own doing my mm. own thing i don't want to work for anyone else what can I do to try and earn like the equivalent of my salary? I just need to earn like $5,000 a month. That's New Zealand dollars. So at the time it's probably right. like three and a half thousand US dollars. Like, you know, not fresh out of uni, not on a big salary. I just wanted to replace my salary, 5,000 New Zealand dollars a month. What can I do to achieve that? And I thought, well, Hey, I had that, that experience a few years ago, getting my, that the business I was working for at the time up and running on Asana I wonder if other companies need that kind of support. And so I, I you know, I, I listed myself as an expert on a few sort of directory websites and yeah, like 
pretty quickly, I was able to start getting booked for people who, you know, just had some questions and wanted to book some time with somebody who knew the tool really well. And so that's kind of the origin story. It all snowballed from there. I I, I made the leap to full-time self-employment in December 2016. I sort of got to the point where I was making enough from the Asana consulting that I was doing. And actually, I started doing the same with Pipedrive, which is a sales CRM. I was kind of making enough between those two services that I was replacing my salary part-time. And I was like, okay, well, if I'm doing this part-time, I can definitely grow it if I'm working full-time. So end of 2016, yeah, kind of handed in my notice. And my wife and I, we actually went traveling for about five months uh, through sort of uh, Asia. And that was that was kind of a nice transition into the full-time self-employment gig. Um but but yeah, that's that's the origin story. That's how it sort of all all got started, and it's just it's just snowballed from there. We we sort of offer similar services today, but the model has changed quite a lot, and I've grown my team. But but that's the that's the origin story. Yeah, very cool. I'd never heard that uh, all before, so it's cool. And two questions came out of that for me. Um, and so similar to you, I heard about Asana on a podcast. It was Amy Porterfield's podcast. She talks about like marketing and things like that, and I thought. Let me check out this Asana thing. But at the time, there were other tools that I was looking at as well. Um, there was Trello that I was using quite a bit at the time, um, looked into teamwork and looked at various other tools as well. Why did you choose Asana? Like, obviously, you did some research or was this the first thing that you heard of and you just jumped right into it with with both feet? Yeah, I mean, we back when I was in that marketing role, we tried a few tools. Mavenlink, I don't know if you ever came across yeah. Mavenlink is one that we tried. Yeah. Didn't find it super intuitive. I think, yeah, after hearing about it on the podcast and, and Natalie, the podcast I was listening to, the host, you know, very credible. Like I've been following her for years and thought, okay, if Natalie recommends it, it must be good. She's a very organized mm. person. Um, actually met her for the first time, by the way, like as a side note, she's in, she's in New Zealand here. So I've been in touch oh, with cool. her for years and just the other week, uh, or last month we, we managed to catch up in person for the first time. So it was really cool. Cause I, if I hadn't listened to her podcast, I don't know, my, my life journey could have been a bit different. Um, so no, we, uh, to answer your question, um, we took a look at Asana and at the time, I mean, you'll probably know if you, sorry, when did you start using it, Marky? When did you sign uh, up? 2011 is when I started using it. Oh, right. Before me. So, you yeah, know, it looked yeah. quite different back then. Um, yeah. Yeah. But even back then, the design was really clean and simple. Uh, it was just really intuitive and easy to use. And I think that was the, 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 big, the big thing that sealed it for us is that it didn't require lots of training for the team. We, we had to onboard people and show people the best practices. But like, it was a nice design, easy to use, not too complicated. And just that usability really sold us. And you know, when you're getting a team of like 50 people to switch over to Asana, you need to pick something that's, that's intuitive and easy to use because you're going to have people on the team who aren't tech savvy, who don't want to learn the tool, who like doing things the way they yeah. currently do it. So you want to pick something that that is uh, user-friendly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it seems like you did your, your due diligence, but yeah, you're right. I, I feel like in my comparison of different tools, it was the most straightforward. It was most flexible at the time as well. And so it definitely had a lot of uh, check boxes that it was, it was uh, ticking off for me. And yeah. so I, I, I'm curious because, you know, you leaving your job, I mean, a lot of the guests that are on the show, we talk about that transition from the corporate world to, you know, the entrepreneurship journey. And so my question is, when you left your job, you got that that itch, you're now replacing your income at, you know, part-time, which is fantastic. Um, when you finally made that switch over, did it 
go as you were expecting it to? Was, was it smooth sailing? Were there lessons learned um, or things you hadn't considered prior to actually um, stepping out and being on your own? Yeah, great question. I'd say it was pretty smooth. Um, a couple of things I did first that gave me a lot of confidence. I mean, so I mentioned earlier, I worked out like, what's that minimum viable income that I need? Yeah. What's that target monthly income? And for me, it was just that $5,000 a month. I just want to replace my salary. So $5,000 yeah. profit per month because I've got some expenses I'll have to pay for. So the way I looked at it is if I'm just earning that, if I'm just replacing my salary and I'm doing that mm -hmm. by working for myself, I'm in control of my time, I'm doing something I enjoy, that that was the immediate goal. I'm not yeah. six figures a month. You know, I think people kind of get started with a business today or selling a course and they're like, I want a six-figure launch. Set the bar lower. Just yeah. just replace your salary <laughs> or earn a few thousand dollars a month and get going. And you'll you'll get there. You can have a six-figure launch one day. Um, yeah. But start smaller. So that was something that really helped was just having the right expectations going in of what success looked like for me. Right. Um, the other thing that, um, you know, you mentioned, like, was it a bit rocky getting going? And, and so I found after about, you know, six, six months of doing this part time, I sort of started getting this sort of imposter syndrome around, okay, this is going well, I'm earning a good income here, I'm working for myself, but I feel like my luck's going to run out. You know, right. I feel like I'm on a lucky streak, and maybe that's going to run out. And don't get too comfortable. This is not this is not normal. And I, I kind of had that imposter syndrome for a good sort of year or two after that transition to full-time self-employment. Mm. Um, and I don't know, I don't know why. I think it was just a little bit, you know, we always have that little bit of you doubt your expertise, you doubt are you good enough? You know, especially as you start to like increase your prices. Am I good enough to to ask for this this money? Am I good enough to charge this much? And so I kind of suffered with that for a few years. I mean, it didn't hold me back, but it was always just in the back of my mind. Like, am I good enough? Is this all going to come to an end? Am I on a lucky streak? And it was only like a year or two later, it was sort of like, oh no, this is, this is sustainable. You're good at what you do. You should be charging more. Um, and so that if you feel, if you've made that switch, if you feel that imposter syndrome, just know that it's very normal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so real. And what, what a scary moment for you um, to like be faced with that. But you overcame it, right? And that's the most important thing. So yeah. good on you. Um, the reason I was asking that is, I mean, th that's something that I come up um, across a lot. And I had that kind of feeling and, and experience when I was starting my business. What you just said, you know, am I good enough at this? Can I really do this? Like my number when I left my job, our, our kids were a lot smaller at that point. You know, we we're living on a lot less, but I needed $4,500 a month Canadian to like sustain our, our, our household. And we finally did it. And when I started, when I was able to, you know, double that in, you know, three months of leaving my job, I thought, yeah, there's definitely something here. Yeah. So, um, definitely I, I identify with that. And so you are partners with Asana, Pipedrive and, and Zapier. Obviously we know why you chose Asana. I'd love to hear about Pipedrive and, and Zapier. How, how do you actually say it? I know everyone says it differently. Is it Zapier? Zap Zapier? Actually it's Zapier. And, and the Zap reason or the way, the way you remember is Zapier makes you happier. Zapier makes you <laughs> that's their, that's their motto is Zapier makes okay. you happier. Yeah. Yeah. I just put in another mark. Zapier makes you yeah. happier. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. So what does the business look like kind of behind the scenes? Like being um, Asana partners ourselves, we kind of have that understanding of it and I've talked about it on the podcast, but I'm curious as to why you chose Pipedrive and Zapier. 
and you know how you incorporate these service offerings or these tools into your business with your current customers. Yeah, with Pipedrive, so I was actually in a different job at the time. So I was in that marketing role. And then while I was building my business, I actually went and started working for a friend of mine who had a mortgage advice business, you know, mortgage broking. And okay. so we were looking for a CRM and Pipedrive is the one that we settled on. Again, really similar reasons. We looked at a few. We looked at, I think, Insightly and Pipedrive and maybe one other. Mm-hmm. We honestly didn't spend much time looking at it, looking at the three, but we just, again, sort of said, yeah, Pipedrive simple. It's easy to use. The pricing is good. Uh, and we started using it. So I, I was gaining a lot of experience using it in that sales role in, in that business that I was working for. And so when I was starting the Asana Consulting, I, I sort of then thought, well, hey, you know, I know Pipedrive pretty well as well now. I've been using it myself. And I feel like I'm pretty good at explaining software to people. So can I can I teach people about this? And they're quite complementary tools as well. Like we have a lot of clients that use both. It kind of starts with Pipedrive. They're using Pipedrive to nurture the leads that they that, that have reached out to them to manage all the sales inquiries that they're dealing with. So Pipedrive is mm-hmm. really good for the top of your funnel for dealing with that sales process. And then when they sign up a new client or they get sign off on a new project, that's usually the point where Pipedrive sort of finishes and Asana starts because Asana is great for the project management, actually managing your clients or managing the projects you're working on. So they complement each other really well. Um, and and we don't we don't try and do every project management tool. We only do Asana. We don't try and do every CRM. We only do Pipedrive because mm. these are the two tools we use. I use every single day. Um, yeah. I I could help people with HubSpot. It's similar, but I'm not as into it because I don't use it. So I'd rather do one thing or a couple of things really well that complement mm-hmm. each other. And then Zapier is kind of the glue that brings it all together. I mean, I, I started using, using Zapier in my own business just to automate some simple things. I think probably one of the first automations I built was like when somebody books a call with me through Calendly, like an introductory call, I just want that to zap into Pipedrive and I want to have all the information ready to go. Mm-hmm. And so just starting with something simple like that in Zapier is a great way to get started. But then Zapier, again, is sort of a snowball that just gets bigger. So the more you do, the more you start thinking about, okay, could I automate this and maybe add them to a newsletter list and all these sorts of things. And so because I was experimenting with Zapier in my own business, when clients asked me, hey, like, could we, how could we get leads into Pipedrive or how could I automate some kind of need, uh, lead nurture follow-up? I had that experience using Zapier, so I started offering that as a service as well. So really, I guess the common, the common sort of thread with all three of these tools is like, I'm really just offering services and support on the tools that I personally use every single day. Right. I love that. And I love that you, you've stayed true and consistent with that as well. We have a similar philosophy and, you know, there have been different engagements at Ditto where, you know, we are implementing Asana and all of our, all of our engagements are around Asana, but then there's always, you know, another solution. So if it's HubSpot, great. We have a customer that's looking at a property management CRM or they're looking at method CRM or Insightly. And so we have ventured down that road where we're doing, you know, comparisons and trying to find the best tool, but obviously we know the downfalls of that as well. And so with Zapier, because you are connecting that to many different tools, are you only working with your customers to connect Asana to Pipedrive or is Zapier connecting those two tools to the suite of others? And then how do you engage not being an expert in those other tools? Yeah, good question. So yes, we do. Um, I mean, a lot of the work we do with Zapier is Asana or Pipedrive related, but then 
yeah, Zapier connects with so many things. So there's there's some tools that we've worked with more than others, like Calendly, ConvertKit for email marketing, uh, ActiveCampaign, Formstack Documents is one we really like for like document and mm-hmm. contract automation. So there's definitely some tools in our stack that we we often recommend and that we use more. But yeah, we we do get contacted by like people, hey, can you link this tool and this tool together? And they might be tools we've never heard of or have zero experience with. So mm-hmm. the way we try and deal with that is we just we're just really honest about what we're comfortable with and and what we're capable of. So we'll look at the Zapier directory and uh, you know the app directory and work out you know do they do these apps that they want to link do they have this, the triggers and actions that we think we need to use, or if mm-hmm. they don't, maybe we can go and look at the API documentation and see like is there okay. it, it, does their API allow us to get around some of the limitations of Zapier. Um, so we'll just try and do our due diligence and we'll say either, yep, we can we can do this. They have a good API or their Zapier integration is solid. Or we'll say, actually, look, we, we don't feel like we're the best person to help. Um, I'm more than happy to turn away work if it's not the right fit because uh, I'm really optimizing for making our business and life as easy as possible. And you, I just don't want to be taking on projects where it might be, you know, you're, you're over delivering on something that you can't deliver on. Um, and that's just yeah. going to be a... A bad result for everyone. I love that outlook. And so if it was something that you weren't super comfortable with, but you looked at the documentation and there was a connection there, you could do it. Are you bringing in a consultant then at that time or uh, an expert in that? Yeah. That third party tool? We, yeah, yeah. So I, I have a full-time Zappy expert on my team. He's here in New Zealand with me, actually an old school friend of mine. Um, so he's been working okay. with me nearly, nearly two years now. And he's great because, like, he's gone deep on Zapier, much deeper than I I ever was. Like, I was I was pretty good. I think I was okay with Zapier, you know, using sure. the triggers and actions. But I wasn't getting into the APIs. But because this is what he does um, for the business every single day, he has been able to take that time to really go deep, get into the APIs, do some of the custom coding steps that that I just wasn't. Um, comfortable with, or I didn't have the time to learn because I'm the business owner. I was running the business, doing the sales, managing all the projects, doing all the work. So it's a lot of hats to be wearing, but by bringing in an expert who can just, again, like just do this one thing really well, go really deep on it. Um, So he's been great. And we actually, it's funny, we have a client who's actually a Zapier expert himself, and he does Zapier work for his, offers Zapier integrations for his clients and we now do his Zapier work <laughs> because he sort of said, oh, like you you guys are doing some really cool stuff that I'm not aware of, or it's not me, it's, it's my colleague. And so we're yeah. now handling some of that work for other agencies, which is quite funny. <laughs> Don't you love that? It's so great yes. how that, you know, just comes around. Um, yeah. So very cool. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and I'm curious because you mentioned earlier that, you know, when you got started with Zapier, that, you know, you would create a zap to have a lead come in and populate in pipe drive. But I would assume that by now, like that's native, right? There's, there's a connection from Calendly to pipe drive. Is that the case? And do you find that like a lot of these native integrations are taking yeah. over where, where Zapier would fill in in the past? Um, I don't think Calendly has a native integration. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty okay. sure they don't. Um, okay. So that's definitely one way you need Zapier. Um mm. And, and actually, on that point, it's interesting because PipeDrive does have its own built-in scheduler. Like you can, it's kind of got like a Calendly-style feature built in. But I prefer yeah. to use Calendly because it's a lot more powerful. You know, the built-in mm-hmm. scheduler is okay for basic scheduling, but Calendly just has so much more functionality. So I find that's quite often the case with a tool like PipeDrive. I say PipeDrive is a bit like the iPhone. 
So you can, um, it comes with great default apps like the calendar and, and the mail app, which are nice and simple and easy to use. But if you want something more powerful, you download something from the app store. And so PipeDrive is kind of the same. The built-in schedule is okay, but I'm going to use Calendly because it's more powerful. So we use Zapier for that. Um, yeah, sometimes the apps do have a native integration. So PipeDrive and Asana do natively integrate. But what I would say is it's it's very basic. So yeah. in that particular case, you can, you know, when you win a deal in your CRM, you can have the native integration set up a project in Asana. But it's just a blank, empty project. What we want to do is actually duplicate a template and mm. use set up a project from a template. So uh, the native integration doesn't support that yet. It might do in the future, but currently to do that, we would use something like Zapier. Uh, so yeah, like the, the basic integration doesn't quite do it or often we find it's quite simple, uh, like posting an update to Slack or uh, updating you know, an invoice in QuickBooks but again, we often turn to Zapier if what we're trying to do is a little bit more nuanced or we're trying to just do a little bit more with it. Hey everyone, it's me, Marquis. I just wanted to take a minute to tell you a bit more about Ditto. If you've been listening to In Systems We Trust for a while, you've heard firsthand accounts of how systems and workflows change the landscape of work for businesses and leaders across the globe. Ever felt like there just aren't enough hours in the day? Is your startup starting to grow and scale and you're wondering how your systems will scale with it? Maybe you're part of a widespread multi-level corporation that needs to update and overhaul its standard operating procedures. Well, if you can relate, Ditto can help. Eliminate team burnout, keep your best talent, and have a clear system in place to help you and your business achieve your goals. Visit thinkditto.com to learn more. And it's interesting that you said about the the scheduling tool. I found something similar with uh, with us. I mean, we... We still use Calendly. We're, we're actually switching off of it by the end of this month because HubSpot has updated how their scheduling tool works within the CRM. And it's not great. It's not perfect. Like I miss Calendly already. We've had yeah. to already like create some workarounds. But for me, the ability to have everything in the CRM, all the activity, the meeting links right there, like it's so much more like beneficial. I wish HubSpot would have just looked at Calendly because they're the clear leaders. Look at Calendly, look what they did and just copy it, you know? Yeah. And so it yeah. was almost like, guys, like you are almost there and you're missing these key features. But I hope that uh, that's something that they're thinking about. Um, so l- let's talk about Asana. Let's talk about your, your offering. Like I'm looking at your website right now, uh, paulminers.com. You've got a uh, Asana training course on there. You've got your your email list, an impressive 35,000 plus people. You've got your YouTube channel see your content all the time. What does your service offering look like? So how are you helping your customers with Asana? You, you want to help them, you know, be more organized in business and life. What does that look like? And, you know, who, who's a good fit for your one-to-one consulting or your course? Or when would someone be coming in and working with you? Can you kind of break that all down for me? Yeah, sure. So we do offer, I kind of tell people we have, we have kind of two models. We offer the complete custom bespoke support. So if you want something like not our program or course, you just want something completely custom for your business. We can look at a a custom engagement. This is obviously like our our higher ticket offer. Um, We actually are uh, currently building out like an eight week onboarding program, which is a very in-depth onboarding kind of roadmap where you work with one of the experts on my team for eight weeks to like build out your projects, onboard your team. So that's, um, that's coming out at the moment. And that's going to be kind of the equivalent of our bespoke support, just like a very intensive high support, um, 
engagement. But the, the, the program that most people sign up for is my Master Asana program. And so our philosophy with this program is we really want to teach people how to fish. You know, mm. some people come to us and they say, can you just set up Asana for me, set up my projects, set up my templates? You might have this as well. Oh, and yeah. I say, we can, but you're not going to succeed with Asana. Mm. It's a bit like, um, you know, a carpenter. A carpenter has to learn how to use a chisel and a hammer and sandpaper and all the tools that they need to use. Yeah. Um, I can go and build you a chair, but you, that's not going to be very useful when you want to build another chair and another chair. So you need to learn how to use your tools. And mm -hmm. a business owner or a project manager or even just like a middle manager, you know, a head of department, the tools you need to learn how to use are tools that you use to manage your team, things like Slack, Asana, maybe your CRM. And so just like a carpenter needs to learn how to use a chisel, you need to learn how to use Asana. If I build it for you, you're not going to be any better off. So that's kind of the philosophy behind our program. And so that what you get with the program is a few things. We, I mean, we, we find that to be successful with Asana, yes, we need to teach you. We need to make you or somebody on the team an expert. And then we also want to provide that ongoing accountability and support. Because, again, I'm, I'm sure you're probably similar you know, people often come to us and they, they get some help setting up a project and doing some basic training, but often they come back because they have more questions or they've mastered the basics and now they want to do a little bit more with it. Or Asana's come out with some new features that they want to learn about, or even just that their team has grown and now we need to train those new team members. So that's kind of, I guess, like the second pillar of our support is providing that ongoing service and, and support when needed. So how we deliver that is, yeah, we, we do have a, a course. So I've done a lot of um, videos for YouTube, but my course is a lot more in-depth. So that's a resource that our clients get so that in their own time, they can be learning about all the features of Asana. It's a great resource to make available to their team as well. So when they hire new people, they can say, look, here are some lessons that we think you should watch. You need to learn how to use Asana. Um, so we, we give them that course. They can book a number of private sessions, either with me or one of the experts on my team. Those one-on-one -on -one sessions are where we can work with them one-on-one -on -one to help them review their account. We can give recommendations, feedback. We can help them to implement workflows, whatever we think is going to be necessary. Uh, and, and during those private sessions, we'll also conduct team training. You know, we'll get all their team on a call and we'll explain like the best practices and how, how they need to be using Asana. And then to get to provide that ongoing support, we, we run a group or I run a group coaching workshop every Monday. So this is a great opportunity where I get, you know, five or 10 of my clients on a call. I go around the, the group and I answer everyone's questions. So it's a great way for us to support clients long-term, but also clients really enjoy coming to those sessions and actually just hearing the questions that other people are asking, people who are a little bit ahead of them in their Asana journey and, and seeing what other people are doing. So it's a great way to just get exposure to new ideas and ways of using Asana that you probably wouldn't get just working with, um, you know, working with me one-on-one because, -on -one you know, we have yeah. all these great clients that we can tap into. Um, so that's, that's kind of the, the, the model that we have. Yeah. I love that. Um, and, and as you're talking, you, you keep saying experts, right? Like you're working with our experts so we can bring them in and they can work with my team of experts because of like your brand and how you've built it. Are people ever like expecting to like work with you or that you're going to be doing the build outs and do they ever get disappointed? How you, how do you handle that or have that conversation at least to say, no, yeah. I have a team. Love to know that. Great question. And it's something I'm still still figuring out and, and something I, you know, struggled with for a while is like I put off getting experts in because I was like, well, people want to work with me. The business is PaulMiners.com. I'm the person they see on YouTube. And so for years I told myself, no, no, they're gonna have you're you're the bottleneck. You have to do the work. 
And um, it was actually about a year ago, actually, I started bringing in, it, you know, it's after I hired my friend uh, Warwick to do the, the Zapier work, he really helped me see the value in having outside experts come in. And he gave me the confidence to then look at getting a few other experts to help with the pipe drive and Asana coaching. So I just started it as a bit of a test. I found some experts that could help. And then I just sort of tweaked my pitch slightly. Instead of saying, I'm going to get on a call, I would say, yeah, I'll book you with one of my team. And because a lot of our clients are based in the US, I'd say, look, I have an expert on East, US Eastern time. So you can schedule with her during your hours. You know, New Zealand's a little bit harder to schedule with. Um, yeah. and you know, they're one of my experts. I vetted them. I know they do a good job. Most people don't have an issue with it. Some people want, some people do request the time with me, but it's, uh, it's kind of the exception, not the rule. Most people are actually fine just being like, yep. Yeah, oh, I'd, I'm happy to work with your local expert. If, as long as, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I've vetted them. I've made sure they know what they're doing. Then that's good enough for them. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. Yeah. Good that you had to, it's good that you had that problem where they want to come in with you. They want to work with you, but I think you pivoted and redirected, um, in a, in a really good and efficient way. And so I want to go back to something you said earlier about the training, because I think we have identified a, a similar problem, right? Like we have a, a done for you service and we recently, um, incorporated just like a specific, like done with you offering where we're training them as we're building it up, it out, yeah. we're directing them, we're providing feedback is what we found. And this was a huge learning for, for ditto was, um, we have our three phase approach, the discovery, and we find out all the information we interview people, we implement it for them. And then training was always the like final frontier is like, okay, we're, we're getting to training. Once we get there, we're done. But this whole time we've been building these things out, we're creating something new right? And a lot of them don't even know how to use the tool yet, but it's like we kept training to the end and it was almost like an afterthought where yeah. the feedback we received is like, we've been working with them for four or five months now and they don't know how to use the tools. And then we have to spend extra time going back and making sure, oh, okay, well, this is how you use Asana. These are the workflows we built out for you. And so my question to you, is this something that you've done all the time or, or is there feedback and learnings along the way that allowed you to, to, to change the offering and focus more on that training? And is that why you built those additional training resources? Yeah. I mean, our model has changed over the years and definitely as, as we've just, as I, I mean, I was on my own in the beginning, but as I work with more clients and realized like, okay, these are the successful engagements. These are the sort of less successful ones. Um, yeah how can I just have more successful engagements? Like what really matters is making, making sure people succeed with Asana yeah. and working out, well, how, how, how can I, how can I increase that likelihood of making someone successful? What more can I do? And being a solo operator at the time, there's only so many hours that I can work with people until I get fully booked. And I was getting like booked three weeks in advance. Like my calendar was full and I was having to tell people, yep, yeah, we can, we can get on a call. It's, going to be three weeks from now if you book today. And so I found that I was becoming a bottleneck. So I thought, well, how else can I help people? Or if people have questions, what can I do to support them while they're waiting for that private session? Well, a course makes a lot of sense. Like I repeat myself all the time anyway. You know, there's right. a lot of just showing people features. So let me build a course that just shows people all the features of Asana, like using the workload, using portfolios, setting up um, custom fields and rules. 
I can put all of that into a course and they can find a lot of answers to their questions um, very quickly. Yeah. Then I thought, well, there's, then there's the group coaching I could do. You know, if people just have the odd quick question, they don't need to book a private session with me. Just come to a group call. That way I can hit 10 people at once. Everyone gets a ton of value and they're not having to wait two weeks to get on a 30 minute call to ask two questions, you know? So I've always just been looking at how can I tweak my offering? How can I tweak my service to provide more value and, and actually scale my business at the same time? Because I was obviously that bottleneck. I was getting booked up. There's sort of a, a limit of how much, how many clients I can work with at once. And if I'm going to continue to grow my business, something has to change. So offering the course, offering the group coaching, and then bringing in the outside experts so they can do the calls was a way that I can then scale the business service more people at once while not being the bottleneck anymore. Um, so yeah, we've, we've definitely changed. The model has changed a lot um, off the back of number one, just wanting to grow our business, but also just wanting to be more useful and deliver more value to clients uh, all the time. This, this question is going to piggyback off that one, but um, I read one of your blogs, one of your recent blogs, and you know, it was about producing great content Right. And you said, rather than trying to create content that satisfies an algorithm, I simply produce content that I personally like to consume. Yeah. So I, I get that. Right. Like you're you're appealing to the audience. And, you know, for a lot of business owners, we are our ideal client. Right. And so I'd love to ask, like, where do you get your ideas from? Are you taking requests from your community? Is there a place where people can submit? Are you just gathering information from these calls and then the frequently asked questions you're you're creating content and distributing to the community what does that whole process look like yeah i mean with the videos that i make obviously it's a it's an interesting balance because i want to give away a lot of value on youtube but i'm selling a course as well so i I have to be strategic with what i choose to keep back um but i mean my philosophy is to is to be really generous is to be really useful um and so yeah I'm, i'm often responding to if people have questions if i see the same question kind of coming up again and again and again like can you explain this feature or how do you do this that's obviously that's a great source of um inspiration for for what to create a video about um i'm often just thinking about you know what would a new user be wanting to learn about or what what is somebody going to type into youtube to to if they're wanting to learn about Asana, sorry, if they're wanting to learn about Asana, what are the types of things they're searching for? Maybe they just want to understand Asana's pricing. So I made a video about pricing. They want to understand how to create their first project. What are the common mistakes people make? Um, what are like some? I did one the other day, or it's actually coming out tomorrow. What are some hidden features that people often miss? Like little little secrets of Asana that people don't realize are there until somebody shows them. So okay. it's often just a bit of, it's, yeah, responding to questions, but putting on my thinking cap and thinking about what would a new user be searching for, or sometimes just what what do I think sounds like an interesting video? Like the 10 hidden secrets, that was just like, uh, often I show people something, you probably do, you do it as well, you show people some little feature and they're like, oh, wow, that was so cool. I had no, I've been using Asana for five years and I never knew that was there. That was kind of the inspiration for that video is like, what are those hidden secrets? Um, so yeah, the inspiration comes from all sorts of places. Very cool. Yeah. I released a video similar to that, um, a few weeks ago where it was six Asana updates you probably missed or didn't know about, right? Yeah. As you know, with Asana, like they have their what's new in Asana, they have their release updates, they have stuff on the forum, but sometimes if you, if you don't know, or if you're not reading that stuff, like they just kind of slip them in there and it's like, oh, that field is new or that toggle switch is new or yeah. they've changed the way that we do this. So. Um, 
Interesting. I, ha- I have a confession to make, Paul. Uh, I said off the top, I was really excited to chat with you, uh, and I've been following you for years. You're actually the reason why I started my YouTube channel. I just thought, oh, really? You know, yeah, man. Oh, like, uh, yeah. Um, and the reason why I started is because, and this was only two years ago now that I started the channel, maybe, yeah, about two years ago, um, I was looking for a son of content and I'm on YouTube and like you're coming up and best yen is coming up, you know, as well. And a bit of like Louise Henry, but there's like only a few of us now that are on there creating like consistent Asana content and even the Asana channels, like it's, 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 it's sparse. Right. And so I just thought, yeah. Oh, this Paul guy is great, you know, and but there's not a lot of content and you were answering some great questions, but then there were questions that my customers were asking that there wasn't documentation on. And so I thought, I'm going to give this thing a try. <laughs> yeah. YouTube. So honestly, like I, I, I got to thank you for, for inspiring me. And it's like, now I see a video come out of yours. And I'm like, oh man, like that's such a great video. And it's like, I don't have one like that. And it's like, mm-hmm. I could go create it, but I often don't. I just let, I just let Paul have it. <laughs> but, um, w- w- what's cool about this space, and I want to talk more about Asana just in, in the, the time we have left, is like in the past two months, um, I can honestly say I've talked to two people that have just been singing your praises. Like we're on a call. They're talking to me at Ditto. They have no idea I have a channel, but they're like, we've been looking at Paul Miner's um, courses and videos and like our, our company looks at his courses. So I got to say, man, hats off to you. You're building something great. Um, you're, you're helping people, you're changing, you're changing lives, you're changing businesses. And I know that's what you're in this to do. So kudos to you. Hats off. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, it, it really is. It's nice to hear just, to, just cause like when I was getting started, um, there are people I can point to like Natalie, I mentioned earlier and you yeah. know, even like the Pat, Pat Flynn, smart passive income, um, yeah. Pat Flynn's of the world and people like that, that's who great. I was listening to their podcasts and watching their videos and just, going, Oh man. And this was when I was still working, you know, I was like, Oh man, I would yeah. love to, um, just be working for myself and, and earning a good income that I'm in charge of and I can, I control everything. And so I'm really grateful to the people that helped me get started. And so it's just great to pay it forward. And, and, um, when people kind of reflect that back to you, it's just a, a lovely thing to hear like, Oh yeah. Like it, it's a good reminder of how far you've come sometimes, you know, time passes yeah. us by so quickly that, it's great to um, hear some of these success stories what, that I was able to play, you know, a small part in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's so cool. And it's so important. Like you can see me, I've got my, my ditto hat on and a black shirt and I have like seven of these black shirts and I wear them every single day, every call I'm on, every YouTube video, every podcast episode that I'm on. And uh, I was in a, I was traveling a few weeks ago. I was in a hotel and there was someone um, sitting next to me and I was on a call. They slipped me a, a post-it note and said, Hey, um, when you're done with your call, I want to talk to you about ditto. And I'm thinking, did I say the word ditto when I was on my call? I, I don't think so, but they recognized me. They recognized it's the first time it happened. I was wearing, wow. my, <laughs> I was wearing my shirt and, you yeah. know, I, I got off my call and we had a quick just connect call and now we're, we're continuing the conversation. So yeah. it's just really cool. And like, it's, it's working, right? So even for you, like I see you everywhere and there's definitely those people in those spaces. So it, it's really cool that, you know, you had a similar you know, experience where you wanted to be that person that was working with themselves and producing content. And now here you are, right? So yeah, very yeah. cool. Um, I, I want to talk about Asana and the time we got left. Um, I'd love to know 
what your thoughts are on, you know, where Asana is going, what you'd love to see next and, you know, what your, your go-to features are, things that you can't live without, you know, it could be a workflow thing within Asana, um, features that you use, would love to understand that. And then where you think they're going or where the opportunities are. Yeah, great question. I mean, um, I'll start with maybe features that I really like. I mean, I always talk when we do training, I really emphasize the My Tasks page. You know, that's the screen that shows you everything assigned to you from all of your projects, tasks, subtasks. Um, I spend 90% of my time on that screen. It's just what I, so I can see what have I, what have I got coming up today? That's the page where I, I live and breathe on. Um, so that's, that's kind of one of my favorite screens. I like how, you know, you've got the rules that auto promote tasks from later into upcoming into today. So I can kind of open up Asana in the morning and it just tells me what I need to do, which is really nice. Uh, the inbox is really crucial as well. You know, managing a few team members in Asana, we, we all check that regularly. And that's one of those best practices we share with clients as well is just, you need to be checking that inbox and responding and being active there. Um, in terms of where it's going, I mean, Asana has been quite public about this, which is really good because not a lot of SaaS companies kind of share their long-term roadmap. But Asana historically has been very good at like just laying out, this is our vision for the product. And so if we've I seen can, a lot of... Sorry? If, if I can, if I can, then let me, let me rephrase that question because I agree with you. They've been very transparent. The roadmap is there. Yeah. What would, would you like to see? Like if you were in the driver's seat, you were CEO, you're Dustin now, it's like, this is what, what we want to do with Asana. What do you think those things are that they're maybe missing or that they could improve on that you'd love to see that maybe isn't on the roadmap? Mm. Great question. I don't know. You know, I'm always a little bit nervous when tools try and do too much. Yeah. Like, We've kind of seen it. Um, we saw a little. I used to be a Mailchimp customer years ago. I started my email list on Mailchimp, and they then got into like social posting. You could schedule posts and do your paid ads, uh, even advertising through Mailchimp. Landing pages, kind of set up landing pages. It kind yeah. of they got away from their core offering, which is just being a really good email provider. And so I, when they were kind of starting to do too much, I, I actually switched to ConvertKit for a couple of reasons, partly through some of the, because of some of the changes that MailChimp was making, but also um, ConvertKit's just a better fit for my type of business. Like I'm more their customer avatar and their automation features are really powerful. So there's a couple of reasons for that switch, but MailChimp is, um, I think, an example of a company where it's, it has evolved as they've tried to fill some gaps that their customers are asking for. And I think this is partly, I'm just not their ideal customer. I think for MailChimp, you know, they go after like retailers, e-commerce stores who probably need some of these features. They don't have a great website or they need to do some basic paid ads. Mm -hmm. But I saw the tool evolve and it was just like, you know, you're trying to do too much. Just focus on doing one thing really well. And so I think Asana's like it's it's great seeing some of their vision come to come to fruition, like seeing the the goals coming in now and and planning your you can even put in your company mission and plan your long term goals. I think that's a really nice change we've seen in the last few years. But like, I don't want Asana to be a CRM. You know, I think I think there are other tools out there like PipeDrive that do it really well. If you try and be a CRM, you know. I don't want you just taking development time and product uh, and, and design time away from um, being a really good project management tool so that you can try and be a CRM. So hopefully I'm answering your question. I'm sure, I'm sure there's some improvements to be made. And, and look, there's some, some little things and in, in, in stuff in Asana that I don't like. There's some little tweaks I would make, 
minor changes. But in terms of big picture, like what I would do to the product differently, just make it more reliable, faster, continue to just refine it, mm-hmm. you know, but I don't, I don't, I'm not particularly fussed if they don't add on lots of new things. No, that's good. That That's all yeah. I need to <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I know, def- but I'm curious what you, it, it, like maybe, maybe there's something obvious that I'm missing. Like, do you think there's anything that like you would add if you could? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot, like I've, I've got a project management background. So if we're comparing it to like some of the other like project management tools, and we know that Asana is a work management tool, I think there's a lot of like things that project managers want, right? Like yeah. a work breakdown structure and, you know, dynamic dates and things like that. And we've resorted to things like Flow Sana that Phil's created, Phil Seaman has created that help us yeah. to do that. But I think like low hanging fruit, what's right in front of us right now. Like we do a lot of our SOPs in Asana and we do them at the task level. And like, even like the tech formatting, it's just really basic where I know that because what they did with the project briefs, we can embed links. We can have images in line in the text. We can have headers and subheaders. So it's like, why can't we have a task um, option instead of it being a milestone or an approval, we have an SOP or a document, you know, task we can do stuff like that. So it's like, I feel like it's right there or, you know, they're starting to add more audit information, like, um, like audit history. So there are custom fields now that are, um, that are, are defaulted where it's like, when was this task started? When was it completed? And they're going to be releasing an audit trail in the next couple of months, hopefully. Right. So it's like, why can't we get all that information. Why can't we have onboard time tracking, right? Like you, you press the thing and that's just another data point that we can share and report on inside the tool. And if it's not Asana doing the time tracking, there's the native integration with harvest, which we use and we recommend to a lot of customers. So it's like, why can't we have a module inside of Asana that has all of our harvest data? We can report on that. Because you can do it with EverHour. EverHour's integration with Asana is fantastic. There's yeah. the onboard thing right there. You can see the budget. You can Everyone can see how much is left in time. You can see the timer that's right in line. And you can see what time has been elapsed so far. So I just think like little things like that. And obviously yeah. they appeal to all customer segments. But Asana, listen, it's so simple. Yeah. It's, There's loads of little things like that. I agree with the formatting, like subtasks on the timeline. Like why can we not see subtasks on the timeline? Um, And and things like rules don't apply to subtasks as well. In fact, actually the rules, you know, you can set up a a rule. You can say trigger an action, but you can't filter them. So I can't. So if I want to say, if a task is completed, do this. But I want to filter that and say only if the task contains this tag or this field. So there's lots of little nuancey little refinements i would make um time tracking would definitely be a new feature i'm I'm glad you brought that up like um i believe they're working on native time tracking uh i think i heard that recently yeah 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 like that's something that it just is a no-brainer asana should offer that as like part Mm -hmm. of business it'll probably be part of business um it makes sense to have that native to asana rather than harvest or ever hour. Cause like we often get asked, like we can track harvest hours and then, but people want to report that and see that as a, in a field in Asana. So we have to zap that back in. So it's like a sure. workaround. We have to do this workaround to get the data in. Um, sure. so there's definitely some refinements or new features like that, but, um, I would like Asana to stick with being a work management tool. Like don't be, don't be trying to get into like being a CRM or, 
I don't know, like don't try and spread your wings too far. Just a bit like right. in my business, just focus on what you do and do it really well. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a really good point. Yeah. And I think people listening can apply that to their business as well. Don't try and be everything to everyone. So, okay, yes. Asana, I think you're, I think you're on the right track here, but those yeah. couple of low hanging fruit, if you could help us out, that'd yeah. be great. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're going to have to continue this conversation when I come on your podcast in a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, Paul, but uh, it, yeah. just closing thoughts here. You know, where is Paul Miners, the brand, going? Where's the company going? What's the next, you know, three years look like for you? And what are some parting words you have for the guests? Great question. I don't know where we're going. I honestly don't. Um, you know, I, we we just continue to refine uh, and just try and improve our process and do, and just deliver our service as best we can in as efficient way as we can. So that's the ongoing goal always and forever is optimize and continue to make the process better. Um, I, I don't know how long I'm going to do this for. Like I enjoy my work mm. right now. I don't think I'll do it forever. Like I could see myself maybe getting five or 10 years down the line and going, right, this was mm. a great run. This was a, an enjoyable business, but I'm ready to do something else. I could definitely see right. getting to that stage. Um, not yet, but you know, uh, and, and look, and that I'm, that might change. Like I've, I've also yeah. thought about maybe I need to stop being Paul Miners, the brand and actually rebrand to like Ditto, you know, like mm -hmm. an agency where I'm not, I'm not the brand. Like that's something I've thought about possibly for the next couple of years. Right. So, um, I don't have a five-year plan funnily enough, okay. being somebody who that's, that's very organized and, um, obviously a bit of a planner with Asana. I don't have that long-term plan. I'm, I'm always sort of just trying to make the right decisions and, and uh, do what I think is good right now. I've always got a bit of an idea of what I want to do, but I think as well, the world is so uncertain right now as well, like with just yeah. the high inflation that we're seeing and just the, I think we're going to have a recession soon. So I think right now it's just like, okay, let's just get through this kind of crazy time that we're in. It's <laughs> kind of the goal right now. going to have to. Um, so that's, that's, that's the plan. <laughs> but then in terms of passing words, yeah, I mean, I would say like anyone that's sort of early on in their business or just getting started, like as cliche as it sounds, just stick with it. You know, we talked today about, you know, people who influenced us early on and then sort of you mm -hmm. become the success story that help that go on to help other people later. And and if you just stick with it, like just try new things, be willing to experiment, fail, try something else. Um, you will, you will find that kind of success that you're looking for as, as cliche as it sounds, you just have to persevere. Yeah. That's certainly what I found. Like I, I, I spent years like trying to build productivity courses and selling courses. Cause I thought that's what I want to do. I want to sell courses before I even started consulting. Um, mm. and so I had to, try a lot of things and fail a few times doing courses and stuff like that. And then when I made an Asana course later, it was a lot more successful. So don't be disheartened if you have a few, um, if you try a few things and they don't work, that's all part of the journey. Yeah. Beautiful. That's great. Paul Miners of paulminers.com, maybe a rebrand in the future. And if and when yeah. you, you're ready to sell, Paul, give me a call. Give me a call. We'll chat. Yeah. I'll come down to Auckland and we'll, uh, we'll we'll meet up and we'll sign the paperwork. Amazing. Yeah. Thanks so much for being on here. Really appreciate your insight. I'm looking forward to connecting uh, when we when we have our chat again. Awesome. Thanks, Marky. Thanks for doing this. And, and yeah, looking forward to having you and doing the reversal in a couple of weeks. Thanks for listening to the In Systems We Trust podcast with Marquis Murray. 
If you liked what you heard today, hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Don't forget to rate the episode and share it with a friend. Head over to thinkditto.com to learn more about how the team at Ditto can help your business scale by implementing the systems and processes needed to get you there.